Hey fam, we at Llama Leadership take resiliency seriously and we are going on a short vacation. But don't worry, over the next several weeks, we will continue to deliver new content in the form of Llama Leadership Thoughts while revisiting and rebooting some of our favorite past episodes. We are so grateful for your continued support and we look forward to bringing you more brand new and value-added long-form discussions in August. As always, be safe, stay healthy, keep growing, and for now, Llamas out. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan. I have another fantastic guest in the lounge today, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Bell is a sports psychologist, consultant, mental toughness expert, and coach, author, and an all-around amazing human being. Thanks for visiting the lounge today, Rob. How are you? Man, I've always been a big fan of lounges, man. I never told you that, but you know, <laughs> no, I'm excited, brother. Thanks so much for the invite, man. Man, yeah, I'm excited to have you on too. Um, just the work that you do to me is just, I, I find it so profound and um, so helpful for um, much of our audience in the military as well as the non-military folks, but everybody I think needs to get a little bit more of, uh, build a little bit more of that mental toughness and get some of the goodness that you got out there, man. Well, buddy, I'm just following you, man. <laughs> our, our, our conversation that we had, you know, even when you were quarantined, man, that stuff helps me, you know, and it's, I think just iron sharpens iron, man. I truly believe in that. A hundred percent, man. I'm really um, grateful that we're connected, bro. Yeah, man. So, hey, so how are things out in your neck of the woods? You're in Indiana, right? I am, man. I'm living in Indianapolis, been out here for 14 years now. Our kids are native Hoosiers mm. and this is home now, man. I mean, I grew up on the East coast. Uh, so I, I think I always kind of brought that edge a little bit, but, uh, I think like anybody, man, I mean, it's, it's about perspective and gratitude and the negativity is there. It's real. Um, but now more than ever, you know, we talk about this time building mental toughness. I think it's revealing our mental toughness mm -hmm. and, um, I can't do it on my own, man. I need, I need other people around me. So I need other people. I call them balcony people, you know, okay. people that are, that are willing to point out kind of those blind spots, but they, mm. they've got that view that we don't see. Yeah. And, uh, the balcony people really come in handy now, nowadays, man, just to help us with that perspective and gratitude. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the balcony people. I like that. Yeah, because, you know, different vantage points, they get to see, yeah, like you said, the blind spots. And we all have them. We all have them. And um, the more constructive feedback we can take from that and, and build. Yeah, absolutely. And gratitude such a big piece. I think that um, it's often talked about, but not executed enough, really, really thinking about what we're grateful for. Yeah, yeah. And I've always seen it now. I mean, it's even with the conversations with people having to be very strategic in terms of not being combative, you know, because that mm -hmm. goes nowhere. And so having to come up with, Hey, what are the little strategies when, even when it comes up like the Facebook conversation about our kids going back to school, you know, mm -hmm. but we can get combative and that's just not going to go anywhere. So it's like, what's another alternative, you know? And it's like, um, Hey, what, I never thought about that perspective. I'm glad you brought that up. Like what makes you say that, you know, just little stuff like that. And I, yeah. I think it's, um, it's kind of the jujitsu move, right? It's being able right. to take that, that energy they have and use it kind of against themselves. But mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's little things like that, man, that, you know, people help me out with. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Reframing, you know, how you're going to approach things and, and, and really kind of like treating other people the way you'd want to be treated in that circumstance. You know I mean? If you get like combative with somebody, what's the response you're probably going to get? <laughs> I mean, it's just very likely that it's going to come back to you. So it doesn't go now. It's not the wrong argument versus the right conversation, you know? 
Right. Yeah. We're not even talking about the problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, and and I, I learned, I learned from my wife, man. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, I can be right or I can be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. so it was funny like we're uh talking about that in a lot of the resiliency courses that i've taken it's like hey you might be right in this moment but i mean do you value the relationship right do you value the relationship to maybe not be right in that moment and figure out how we can both be right right i mean like and it's just reframing that entire conversation but that's so true bro so hey um so I, I wanted to get into something before we, we move on the conversation. You, you ran that four by four, right? That, oh yeah. That, yeah. How was that? I wanted to ask you about that. I saw it on Facebook and um, it's something I considered, but man, the sleep part of it was going to, was going to mess me up. And I was just wondering, what was your experiences with it? So that was my third time doing the four by four by 24 challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's every, uh, every four hours you run four miles for 24 hours. I think mm-hmm. the next one will probably be 48. But the same thing like you, man, is um, after that 24 hours, I kind of like to spend some time with my kids. And it's very, mm-hmm. you just don't have a lot of time to do anything. Um, and I always learn something from each one. Um, what did I learn from this one, man? It, well, what was reiterated again is that heat. I'm not a fan of heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I just, I mean, I felt like growing up, like I was great in the heat, man. But it was like, you know, I started at 4 p.m. on a Friday and I finished at 4 p.m. on that next Saturday. And, uh, you know, the noon and the, tw- and the 4 PM were just uh, brutal hot, man. I mean, they were right. in the nineties, you know, it, this, this one was interesting. It was the third one. I never listen to music when I run at all, because I think it's really important to pay attention to that voice. That's, that's trying to talk to us and tell us stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the piece that I learned the most, and this was my favorite part. It's probably my favorite part of the last couple of weeks is when I was done I sat underneath a shade tree and my chocolate lab, my, my dog was there and she, she ran with me a bunch of them. And we sat there for about 45 minutes. Um, and it was the best time ever, man. You know, we just kind of sat and just chilled underneath that shade tree. And it was, I don't know what about it, man, but it's like after you finish something that's worth, uh, you know, accomplishment, um, right what happens is a lot of times, all right, all right, now what, you know, what's next. And mm. I just thought it was important for my soul to be able to kind of take that time man, and just enjoy it and kind of revel in it a little bit. And I'm, I'm, I can't enjoy that cup of coffee, man, or this pancakes unless I've done something tough. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just how I'm wired. And, uh, that was just such a special time, man. I mean, I think I'm always going to remember that. Yeah, man. I love that. Yeah, you know, because I just came back from this is uh, 21 August right now. I just got back from contingency training out in Jersey. And there was numerous opportunities for me to kind of enjoy what you just kind of described. And there was one moment where I think I might have ran a, a 10 miler or something. And it's hot out there too, right? And by the time I get out of course training, we've already done a bunch of stuff in the field. And then I decided to run a 10 miler and it was like 90 degrees out there. And I was hydrated and I ran. And afterwards, I just walked around. And by this time, it's evening. And, and the wind, the breeze is coming through. And I just thought, man, this is like one of the best feelings I've ever had. Like, like you know, yeah. just the air on your skin. I was just like, wow. And I just didn't want to go inside. I kept on wanting to walk around for a while. Yeah. And I, that's, that, it's those moments, right? Like mm-hmm. I did a, a little sprint triathlon last week and um, like on the bike part coming in off the bike, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, man, this is what living's all about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Getting after it and just putting yourself out there, man, and competing and enjoying it. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to love getting into this conversation. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, come, like, my, my problem is, is I want those moments to last the whole time. You know, I want to, I want to live on that mountaintop. But if you look at like the high mountaintops, man, nothing lives up there. Cause you can't, you can't stay up there, man. You gotta come back down to the valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those trips down to the valley make those mountaintops so much better, right? For they do, sure. man. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. So, so, Hey man, before we get too far into this conversation, cause I can see us going down so many rabbit holes with some of the great stuff that I want to talk about. But, um, but Rob, whenever we have guests in the lounge and we, we asked that they share their story as we found that we often glean wisdom from the experiences of others. So we're hoping, man, would you share how Dr. Rob Bell became the man we are hearing from today? Yeah, man, it was uh, smooth sailing, never any obstacles, never any setbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up in, uh, in Maryland, went to a little Division II school in West Virginia. Sports was always a big part of my life. And when I got to college, um, I discovered this thing called partying, Joe. Mm. I don't know if any of your listeners ever had it, you know, but that was <laughs> like, I, when I got to school, I thought I could have baseball and partying and no accountability, like what could possibly go wrong? And for some reason, this is uh, the freshman and for, you know, we're partying in, in West Virginia, a lot of these bridges and there, these bridges are these cliffs. And for some reason, after midnight, we're partying near this bridge. And I end up walking off this cliff, man. And it was mm-hmm. the, uh, it was an 80 foot cliff. They have to crane me up out of it. I was conscious during the whole time, but it fractured my back, broke my arm, big gaping head wound. But you know, I was alive. Mm-hmm. It take me to the hospital. My mom's a nurse, oldest of 11 Catholic family. This happens on a Friday. I'm back to school on Monday. Like wow. I just wanted to kind of come home, you know, and let me get myself together. She said, you're going right back. And then baseball was done, man. I was kicked off the team and that was it. And that was a huge change moment in my life because, you know, I, I didn't really know how to cope with that. I didn't know how to handle that. And how do we, how do we deal with that stuff? Well, I mean, we medicate, you know, one way or another. So, I mean, I still continue to, to drink and use man. And, um, mm-hmm. It was a dark period in my life. Now, I was always smart, so I mean, I could get by on my intelligence piece, but when I got to grad school, um, I knew what I wanted to do, and that was work with athletes, coaches, and teams on mental toughness. Like That had happened in college. Because I fell off that cliff, I took that psychology class. Mm-hmm. Fantastic professor, made such a difference in my life. And I remember, and this was 2000, so I remember um, it was when you know Lance was all the rage and regardless of how we think about him, mm-hmm. he had this quote that said, you know, if you ever get a second chance in life, you got to go all the way. Right. I never forgot that. I thought that was such a righteous statement, man. Cause I wasn't going to blow it when I got to grad school. And that's when I think I rededicated myself, man. It was marathon training. Um, you know, just, just so disciplined in terms of everything that I could read ended up, uh, you know, finishing my master's at Temple university, went to the university of Tennessee and got my doctorate in sports psychology there. From there, man, started working with athletes, coaches, and teams, and started working with pro golfers. And that um, and that was 2006, and caddied uh, roughly about 20 events, you know, since that time at, at the pro level. And man, I've been blessed to work with probably three different three different tour winners, um, especially just at the PGA Tour and some at other levels. And I was a uh, ended up being a professor for about five years uh, in uh, academia, so at the college level. So for five years from 2006, 2011, I was a professor. The problem was, is I was no longer happy, mm. you know, but I was comfortable. And so I had two kids under the age of five and this was another hinge moment. I was like, I'm not happy, man. I, I want to leave. 
and I it was, I prayed to God and I prayed and I asked if I'm supposed to leave, please give me a, a sign, you know, like I prayed for like a burning bush moment. Mm-hmm. And I share that because it was, it was audible voice, man. I heard it was like, Hey, it's going to be okay. That was all I needed to hear, man. I went in and told my boss, I said, I'm, I'm done. And that was 2011. And I started up my own business. And that was where I'm at today. And, and, and a lot of rocky roads, but it was true, Joe, that I was always taken care of. Mm. And I always live by that statement of it all works out in the end. If it hasn't, it's just not the end. And I lived by that, man. Cause there were months it was like, man, I'm, I set like the bar low, man. Like, Hey, I just need to make 3000 for this month. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, right? Like you eat what you kill and I'm, I'm not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And then bam, a speaking engagement would come in or bam, a new, new client would come in there. And it's just morphed into working with pro athletes and, and speaking and training and then working with, uh, you know, professional athletes as well. Man. Um, I can always add, but uh, written seven books on mental toughness. The latest one was Puke and Rally. It's not mm-hmm. about the setback. It's about the comeback. And yeah. uh, being a product of the product was I tried to do. But like I said, man, I need other people in my life to be able to point out those those spots. So that's it in a nutshell, man. My, my quick man. story there. Man, that was such, that's so inspirational too, man. I'm starting to get goosebumps just listening to that story. Actually, that's, man, that's powerful, bro. And and I got, yeah, I got puke and rally at the house right now. Um, like I said, it's 21 August right now. I had to evacuate my home. Um, uh, so I wasn't able to thumb through it yet, but I'm definitely going to jump into it. Um, I got some more quarantine time coming up. So I got plenty of time to read that one. And I'll probably pick up some of your other ones as well, man. Because uh, So I really appreciate what you do. Well, I appreciate uh, that, man. Yeah, man. So, man, you know, you talked about something, a couple things um, already, and I just wanted to kind of explore them a little bit. You talked about the voice inside, right? And how you weren't listening to music when you're running and um, how important you feel like it is. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some things that draw my ire and I don't mean for them to be, you know, but sometimes I'm sensitive, man. And, uh, and one of the things I can't stand, man, is why do we have to have, we're technology driven all the time in everything that we do anyway. Mm-hmm. So why do we need to take technology into our exercise with us? Now, here's the, here's the juxtaposition. I couldn't imagine, you know, lifting and not having music. That would just <laughs> be weird. But why do we always have to have music? And the thing is, it's like, what, what's the point of it? Mm-hmm. And the point of it, it's all music is, it's just motivation. Mm-hmm. That's it. It really, you know, we think it helps us run faster or something, and maybe it does for a little bit, but not long term. What I need to be in touch with is I need to be in touch with, hey, what's that voice that, that wants to be talking to me and what is that voice saying? Because mm-hmm. unless I'm in tune with it, uh, I'm ignoring it. I'm blocking it out. And then we have to be able to know, hey, what's that negative voice or what's that positive voice? So I, I use a lot of that time, man, to you know, try and still the mind and be quiet and focus on the breathing. I'm not, not going to sit and meditate, but I'm going to use my 10-mile run to focus mm-hmm. on my breathing, man, and appreciate and gratitude. And that's my meditation. So I, I kind of joke about it, man. It's like, Hey, it's going to be a 15 mile meditation we got mm-hmm. today. And with music, even though I love it, absolutely love it. It takes me away from the moment and, and what my body's doing, what my body's saying, what my mind's saying. So that's the big piece about running without music mm. is focusing on that, that breath, you know, those steps. And, you know, tomorrow morning, man, I'll be hitting the pavement at 5am and, mm-hmm. There's nothing better than that, man. Just be the only one out there and, and hitting it and, and this quiet and stillness. And that's what I appreciate. So that, that's why I do it. Um, 
you ever see the high elite marathoners? And again, if anybody's listening to running, if you need to get the workout in and music helps, great. If you're trying to get better, then music isn't going to help with that. If you watch your elite runners, they're not listening to music. Now, you'll have your elite ultras sometimes listen to it, but dude, you got to think about it, man. That's 32 hours on the trail. Like, yeah, you might need a little companionship. Yeah. A little different. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly the way I feel too. I tried the meditation thing, but really running is it for me. And, um, and you're right. Like I used to listen to music quite a bit, but on a 10 mile run, man, it's only so much music I'm listening to over and over again. Um, a lot of times I will just be with my thoughts because I don't see it. It is physical, right? To me, it is a physical thing. It helps keep me in shape for sure. But I, I actually do it more for the mental fitness, right? To keep yeah. myself going, um, mentally fit, reduce stress, all that stuff, whatever it is for the day, if it's before or after, it just kind of washes some things away. And whenever I'm like, really have angst about something I like to run too, because that kind of clears that and makes everything feel a little bit, uh, it, it, it brings it back down to normal, to baseline for me. It's like, okay, that wasn't that bad. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I, t- I totally agree with you, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, something else I wanted to talk about is that you brought up the, the, the term hinge moments a couple of times, and I seen it in a couple of your blog posts and, um, and I think it's, it's awesome. You know, the perspective on these hinge moments, I was hoping maybe you could kind of share a little bit more about what your perspectives on these hinge moments, what they are to you. Yeah. So every door has a hinge, mm-hmm. right? A door without a hinge is a wall it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If we hear about doors opening and closing our life, that's because of the hinge. Small hinges open big doors. If you ever hear of like a rusty door, it's not the door that's rusty, man. It's the hinge that's rusty. So the way that I see it is the hinge in our lives it is that one moment, that one person or one event that makes all the difference. It connects who we are with who we're going to become. You know, we just don't know when that's coming. We have, we, we have no idea how this mystery of life is going to work out. We can only connect the dots looking backwards and seeing the impact that that one person had in our life, uh, that that one moment had. And the beauty about it is this, is because I always look at it, what's the real importance of being mentally tough? And the real importance of being mentally tough is we are getting ready for that moment. We don't know what it's going to look like or what it's going to come, but when our moment hits, it's too late to prepare, right? Like we've got to be ready. And the way that I see it is no matter how bad our situation is, no matter how bleak an outcome looks, it only takes one. And so that's the real importance of that mental toughness, that grit, that resiliency is it only takes one. We're getting ready for that one moment or that one person that we're going to meet. But since we don't know when it's coming, we have to treat every moment, every person, every event, like it's a possible hinge moment. And it doesn't mean we're adding more stress to any kind of situation. It means we're treating every situation like it's exactly the same because we have no idea. Mm-hmm. And the other part about hinge moments is, you know, tragedies that happen in our life, like falling off cliffs. Mm-hmm. We've all had these cliff moments, man. Tragedies that happen, they're immediate hinge moments because from that moment on, everything is different. Pandemic that, we, that we're going through, everything is going to be different. And we've already seen how, the, how it's changed, um, but nothing's going to go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's the essence of the hinge, man. That's the way I look at it in terms of the importance of mental toughness and the tragedies and you know, how we, we get that perspective in life. And I think we're going to have multiple hinge moments in our life. Mm-hmm. A lot of the hinge moments, we don't know they happen until sometimes weeks, months, years later, the impact of it. But, you know, my one point is this is, you know, if I, 
challenge people think about what have been those important moments. You know, how did you meet your, your partner? How'd you end up the career you're at where you're at today? Usually it's just these sometimes decisions, these gut decisions, these moments that happen and uh, they connect who we are with who we're going to become. So do you think that you can prepare? I mean, you're saying you prepare, right? But do you think that you can identify it as it's coming if you're more prepared or is it something that you pretty much will most likely only see from hindsight? Uh, I, a lot of times it depends on the circumstance, but I think mm-hmm. it's very difficult to tell the importance of a situation in the situation itself. Mm-hmm. Only time plus perspective can give us that. Mm-hmm. And what we're preparing is we're preparing for the unpredictable. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, if I've, I feel like it's an important presentation coming up, an important event that's coming up, I'm automatically going to be putting more emphasis on that but it, I'm always falling back to my level of preparation for it. And it's like cramming for a test, man. Cramming mm-hmm. for a test maybe works, mm-hmm. but it's our continuous uh, improvement or continuous preparation for it. And yeah. how that ties kind of in the mental toughness, it's like um, I think we just need to do something, something every day for no other sake than we'd rather not do it. So for when that moment comes, we're ready. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great perspective on mental toughness. I was, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think like I even said it in one of my, um, in one of my short videos um, that I posted when I was in quarantine, I was like, I don't know what I'm preparing for, but I, but I know I'm going to be the best person I am to be able to deal with it when it comes. Right. I mean, and that's exactly what you're talking about. I think that's awesome. Yeah, man. So, so, uh, mental toughness in general, man, what, what do you, what are your, overall thoughts on because you got into it after a lot of tragedy you know kind of things happen with you and you went to psychology and all that but um i think we throw that term out quite a bit but i think a lot of people still don't grasp necessarily what we're what you know we're talking about right right yeah i think there's a big stigma to it man Mm because i think when we when we hear mental toughness i think we think well it's flipping big giant tires over Mm -hmm. like it's physical exertion right and the other part of that mental toughness, that's the stigma is I've got to do it on my own, right? Mm-hmm. It just means sucking it up. Mm-hmm. And I really don't, I think physical toughness is part of it, but I don't think it's, I think the, it's the emotional piece, man. It's a lot harder. Right. And I certainly don't think it's doing it on our own. I think it's the opposite, man. I think it's being like, I need help in this kind of situation, man. Or like, what do you think about this? And getting the other people's perspective and then being able to focus on other people at the same time, not focus on ourselves. I think those are the stigmas with it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think sometimes it has a bad rap. So, I mean, it definitely gets thrown out too much. Um, but really mental toughness, all it is, it's how we deal, handle, and cope with the adversity in life. That's all it is, man. I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy, right? Trying <laughs> to keep this simple as we can, man. Cash mm-hmm. and carry. Yeah. How do we deal and handle with the adversity and the setbacks in life? That's all it is. Hmm. So what would you say maybe are some characteristics of somebody who's exuding that mental toughness um, or maybe some of the behaviors that are common amongst those? Yeah, it's a good one, man. And I know, um, I know, you know, I've listened to the Lama Lounge before, man. I know the applications, people love those. I think, <laughs> let me think about this one. I'll, I'll share one that I'm horrible at. Mm-hmm. And that's patience, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't wait to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> one of my pros said that one. I always use that. Yeah. But if you show me somebody that's patient, I'm going to show you somebody that's confident. Mm-hmm. 
If you show me somebody that can let go of mistakes, I'm going to show you somebody that's confident. So a lot of times our ability to be patient means I don't need everything to go my way in order for me to still be successful. If you show me somebody that uh, gets really flustered and bothered, what they're really saying is I don't, I need everything to go my way in order for me to be successful. And that's the part that's not true. You show me somebody's patient, I'll show you somebody's mentally tough. You know, I always look at that as to be the, uh, um, you know, how somebody responds to that adversity as a big indicator of, you know, where their mental toughness is. Yeah. It's a big one, you know, but there's a lot of factors to it. You know, I always say it's, it's a hierarchy of mental toughness. Number one, what's at the very bottom of it is motivation. People say discipline, perseverance, persistence, your why, how bad do you want it? That's, that all gets back to motivation. And I think your why has to make you cry. If it doesn't, it's not your why. It's not deep enough. Mm. That's the baseline. That's where most people end. Are you willing to do the things you don't want to do? After that, that level goes up into confidence. And it's not like we're one static level, man. We're really dynamic all the time. But confidence if we didn't have confidence, we wouldn't try anything. People think it's at the top and it's the most important. I believe that confidence is king, right? It's how the game is won. But beyond confidence, so we have to have some inkling of confidence in ourselves or we'd never attempt anything. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think confidence is. But then if confidence is king, if it's how the game of chess is won, right? Because, I mean, if it's how the game is lost, we can't win the game of chess by moving our king one piece at a time. That's not how the game's won. It's just how the game's lost. Think about when we lose confidence in ourselves, how we isolate, how it's tough to get out of that rut. That's how the game is lost. But the game is won because confidence is king, but focus is queen. Focus is queen. We win through our focus. So if we're ever going on a mission, man, or we're trying to do something how often are we actually thinking I'm confident in this situation? I I think rarely. Mm -hmm. I think most of the time we perform our best is when I'm not thinking about anything. And that's why focus is queen. So what are we focused on? Our confidence reveals our level of focus because if I'm focused on bad stuff happening or I don't want to be in this situation, if I get nervous rather than excited, it's all getting back to our focus. Mm -hmm. And at the very top of that pyramid, my man is refocus how well we let go of mistakes and can move on. Mm. Bad stuff's going to happen, but can we adjust from that? Like I said, if you show me somebody that's confident, I'm going to show you somebody that can let go of mistakes. That's at the top of the pyramid because man, we're always dealing with that in our ever changing environment from minute to minute is how, how we're refocusing. So those are the skills I think that actually go into all that mental toughness. And I know it's long winded answer to say, Hey, how do we know it when we see it? Mm-hmm. But those are the skills that go into it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. man. And I, I love what you said too, is willing just to do what, you know, you don't necessarily want to do. And, um, and I think all of the things that you just talked about also relate to people of strong character, you know, and, and you know, when you're, when you're faced with something you don't want to do, I, I tell people this all the time. I was like, Hey, if I'm putting hundred percent effort into something I want to do, that's called normal, right? That's called normal. But when I'm able to, you know, put that hundred percent effort into something I really don't want to do. Right. And they maybe even work harder towards that. Then that's called character. Right. I mean, and I think that builds a lot of great values and competencies when you, when you do that and you continuously do that and just doing things that are tough, doing things that are hard. I think that just does so much for us in so many different ways. And some of them are very intangible, but um, 
your points springing up of how that ties into mental toughness is, is just spot on. What a great quote, man. I'm writing that one down. Buddy. <laughs> man. Uh, that's, it's an honor then, <laughs> but man, so, you know, you have a, a great website we're going to talk about and I, I was, I was digging into it. And um, I was reading some of the blog articles and I love them, man. They're great, you know, and, and, and they're not long winded. They're perfect, like the perfect amount where you can take something from it. And you're like, that's, that's some good stuff. And one of the ones um, that you wrote was how identity relates to performance. And I read that thing like three times, man. It, it was, it was really cool. And I thought it, there was a lot of value there. I was hoping maybe you can um, explain that one a little bit to us. Yeah, it's a good one. And it's, uh, so our identity definitely has to go outside of our performance realm. Cause if we're just performance driven, which I am, mm-hmm. you know, when I do well, I feel better about myself. You know, when I check off the boxes, I feel better about myself, but, mm-hmm. but it definitely goes beyond that. And the reason why is because there's still going to be setbacks. And if I am my performance, then I'm only as good as my last performance. Mm-hmm. And that's that lie. You know, that's mm-hmm. the lie. That's what media wants us to believe. Our identity has to go way beyond that because then that becomes the whole foundation then of who we are. And we cannot outperform our own self-identity. I think if our identity is simply tied in within ourselves, then we're going to fail. Man, We're going to let ourselves down because we, we fail. We're fallible humans. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then we're just projecting an image that we want people to see. You know, our identity, you know, if we think of, you know, for me, you know, being a Christian, my identity can't be in my performance and am I pleasing God or not? Mm-hmm. You know, what it says about my identity is that I'm holy, righteous, redeemed, without fault, blameless. I don't look at myself like that, but that's how my creator does it. And that's how um, Jesus looks at us like that. So if he looks at us all like that, and that's what our identity is, then I'm not my behavior. Um, I go well beyond that piece. And the fact that I'm going to fail, but it's not my identity. I think we got to know what that is. And I think once we know what our identity truly is, we operate more in freedom and we don't get as t- attacked as much. Mm. Um, and I write that story kind of about secretariat, but mm-hmm. we have to know that our identity is one destined for greatness. We're destined to be successful. We're destined to be able to help other people. And it doesn't necessarily mean, man, you know, having our own island on that yacht. It just means having what we need to be able to help other people. And I think it's only when we can operate from that, that standpoint of abundance from our identity, are we truly at our best? And I love this one, man. I'm at my best when I'm helping other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's when we're all at our best. If I think of myself as a piece of crap, mm-hmm. how am I really going to be able to help people? And then it's, and then it's just getting back to the identity. So that's where I see our identity, our performance, man, linking up. Yeah. Dude, I love that, man. I was writing that one down too. It's like if the identity is only as good as your last performance. I mean, that, that's that's so true. And something that you wrote in the article that I wrote down, um, the bridge over the gap is honesty. There is a saying that the truth hurts. It hurts because the truth is what we can that we can always get better. And man, you know, I wrote that one down because it was just, it really resonated with me. And um, I think that was just a great article and their perspectives on it is just super powerful, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. So you, you read that one that comes to puke and rally, man. For about, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm really looking forward to get into that book and it's just perfect timing too. Cause I just finished my last book. So I'm going to jump into it immediately, man. Look forward to it. Sweet, man. And so there was another article on your, um, on your blog site and it was, it was written by, I think Nora Mork. 
Um, it was talk about how physical activity clears your mind. And I know we kind of talked about a little bit, but she, she elaborated on four different points. And I was wondering maybe if you can kind of give us your perspectives on that, the whole point on, on physical activity and how that clears your mind. I mean, I think we were, we were meant to be able to move. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's the sedentary lifestyle, man. I'd, I'd, here's the problem with me is I don't know what it's like to not be able to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we have one shot at life and if we live it right, then once is enough. And I, I think we're destined to be here, man, to help other people and just squeeze the the nectar out of life, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, the physical activity, man, just to be able to move, man, enjoy it, play so important i think to our overall society and mental health man if we were not playing what are we doing mm-hmm. you know um it's uh i think it's essential to our growth just as humans man is and i think and I, I tell my kids this all the time man. you can borrow this one but everybody speaks ball mm-hmm. everybody speaks ball if you take a ball put it in front of a little kid they know exactly what to do with it mm-hmm. and i love and ball is part of movement man it's part of um you know, uh, did we get in that flow state and whatever it is, man, that's why I just, I think that's where, the, I think that's where art lives, uh, creativity lives, um, mm-hmm. being able to create stuff. And I think it all ties in that physical activity and movement, man. We yeah. don't have to think about it as in, okay, going to the gym. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be beyond that stuff, man. It's gotta be a movement and an activity. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, in any type of leadership, the best is always by example. You know, you can tell people that they got to do these things. They got to move. But what I love about you is I was following you on Facebook, social media is that you're living that. And that's what I try to do as well, because you, know, you can tell people, Hey, you need to be more fit. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. But then if they don't see you doing it, it's like, okay, so why are you telling me to do it? Right. And I think yeah. that's really powerful. But I love what you just brought up though. Flow state. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and that's something that has come up in conversations, a lot of um, podcasts I've been listening to, but I don't know if everybody really is um, exposed to that, that concept. Um, I was wondering if you might elaborate a little bit more on what your perspectives on flow state is. Yeah, man, that flow state, it's, uh, you know, it's a level of consciousness and it's mm-hmm. the pieces where it's effortless, um, time kind of stands still. Mm-hmm. It's enjoyable. So there's like, there's a challenge to it. Um, and I think it's just kind of where our brain goes, just kind of an altered sense of consciousness, man, without substances. And it's being so immersed in that kind of situation. We can have it in everything that we do. There's got to be a level of challenge to it, and there has to be a level of expertise. So if um, it can happen in anything, right? We can happen on the gun range. It can happen in, uh, in golf. It can happen in art. It can happen in swimming. It all happens in running a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we hear it like in the zone. Mm-hmm. it's happened twice to me when I've been running and it's just a magical moments. And I think it's what we live for, man. It's how we get there. I don't know. You know, I think there's certain things that can help us get to that state, but it happens on its own. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's also a big part of that essence of life, man, is immersing ourselves into it. So where creativity and that edge kind of lives, you know, whether it's writing a great sentence or, mm-hmm. um, painting something or creating something. I think that it's just that edge. It's so fantastic, man. And it's, it's gotta be that challenge to it. There's gotta be a challenge and we have to have that level of expertise or we get stressed out because it's too tough or we get bored because it's too easy. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I think that magic lives, man, is on that edge. Yeah. So 
with that being said, then there's probably some ways, maybe you can't make it happen, but maybe you can help prepare by having the level of expertise, right? Training yeah. or whatever it might be, but also taking those opportunities or seeking them out that have that little bit of a challenge. And maybe you'll open yourself up a little bit more to those opportunities to get into that flow state. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it, it's ultimately, we got to get back to our breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, got to get back to our routine. You know, that's why I say if, if we're listening to music, we think like we kind of get in that zone, but once that edge of that uh, adrenaline, whatever wears off and mm-hmm. we're just back to, relying on that that's why i say we got to disconnect and yeah um yeah man it's being able to find those things that we're passionate about and want to do as well mm-hmm. it has to be that motivation i want to do this yeah you get those mixtures in there and it's like baking anything man if you take some of those ingredients out it's not going to be there all the ingredients got to be in there for that that cake yeah. to work so do you think we there's there's times where we get in our own way of the flow state. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're cluttering ourselves so much that, I mean, you brought one up with the music, but are there other things that we do that prevent from us from getting into that flow state? I think busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't do it cause I'm busy. Mm. Busy is the illusion of control mm. because we're busy. Look, what happens is what I think we do is we mistake action for achievement. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to do. Isn't it? I mean, we've got yeah, that checklist, yeah. man. I want to get that checklist. I got that checklist done. Mm-hmm. Got it, man. Did I really get better? Um, we've got to be able to reflect. Um, if we're not reflecting, then how are we really getting better at it? Um, and not saying we've got to keep that journal, that notebook, although that helps, but being able to assess, man, you know, how did today go? You know, how were my relationships? Um, those are a couple of things. Um, we got to be able to examine our life and where we're at. And then the other pieces, um, we got to be able to take those breaks, man, and just relax. I love that piece of rest, right? Yeah. Be still huge pieces. I think to help us get in that, those flow states, man, that zone. Yeah. I mean, I like in what your, that flow state is cause I'm not a, I'm not a good golfer, but, but you know, when you get out there and you hit that one, it just takes that one and now you're chasing it for the rest of your life because it just felt so good when it hit that, you know, and that's kind of like that flow state. And I think just like you, I've probably hit it a couple of times during different activities and, you know, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm always seeking, but the journey to get there is, is like the best part, right? Right. The journey to get there, to get to that part. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I do think that we get in our own way. A lot of times I was, um, uh, reading, I was actually joining a product called the artist way. It was, it's a program. Um, and part of it is journaling, like you mentioned, and to get to that point where I guess what they would kind of describe as a flow state when it comes to creativity and writing or whatever it might be is you got to get all that negativity out of your head. And you, and if you're not going to share it with somebody, write it down, at least be honest with yourself. Right. So it requires you to write like three, three pages a day, and the notebook's gigantic too. That's a lot of writing, right? Three pages a day and you're just free flowing writing. And what I found was initially, I was like, this is a lot of negative stuff. I'm like self, you know, just analyzing all the bad things I do. But after I got it out on paper, maybe that's not stuff I talk to other people about. You know, I wrote it on paper. It's like still getting it out. And next thing you know, the juices started flowing, right? Of mm-hmm. what I actually wanted to talk about. And I, th- I think that was really a powerful, powerful tool to just that journaling piece. See, there's the puke and rally, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. You gotta, gotta, gotta purge that stuff. Keep that stuff inside, man. It, mm-hmm. uh, it ferments, it grows in there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's just become such a block, right? A block for so many good things that the greatness that we do have within us. Um, absolutely. And that's awesome. So what are, um, you know, man, I can't, we've already been talking for like about 45, 50 minutes. So this is such good stuff. I was wondering, um, what are, do you have any general tips that you can, um, provide maybe for, you know, living in this COVID environment right now, uh, in reference to mental toughness or in, in general and anything that has to do with mental toughness for our listeners? The piece that's really concerning to me mm-hmm. is, uh, the isolation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about it, right? I mean, you know, even going through quarantine and going to go through it again, man, how difficult that is. Right. The odd thing about our mind is our mind is only focused on keeping us safe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care about us getting better. It doesn't care about us being the best we can be or growth. It just wants to keep us safe. So the part about isolation that's interesting is it's like junk food. Um, we know it's bad, but it tastes so good at the moment. Mm. Because what do I do when I lose confidence or if I'm forced to isolate? It, it takes the edge off in a bad way of not being able to deal and handle and cope with other people or situations. Mm-hmm. And so that part, you know, kind of gets eroded, man. It atrophies a little bit and our mind starts to seek more of the isolation. The problem is, is when we isolate, we get stuck inside our own head mm-hmm. and we have to be able to connect with other people. And that's the part that I really see as be so important, man. With However that connection is, man, whether it's being able to text somebody, if it's got to be through social, but um, I always think the phone call is, is so important to be able to hear other people's voice. And when we can, man, be able to meet them face to face. Connection is where confidence grows. And I think that's when we're at our best because we're outside of our own head. Um, you know, if you think about isolation and what grows in the dark, you know, mm-hmm. only mushrooms grow in the dark there, Joe. And mm-hmm. who likes those, man? <laughs> I'm sure there's some people out there like the special kind, but yeah, yeah, for sure, man. You know, and that's such a strong point because like you said, I was in quarantine and, and what really got me through it, you know, I was writing my goals and, and all the physical activity and everything I was trying to do to make sure I stayed online. But 100% it was the connections. I mean, chatting with you during that quarantine, getting some Zoom calls in with some people, talking to people I really care about. Um, yeah, that's what got me through it, man. Because I was like, you're 100% true, especially the weekend, because I had two weeks. And when the weekend came, I got in my own head a little bit. You know, yep. I, I did. I, I and, and talking to people helped me get through it. But it was, um, it was a tough one. I can only imagine when people are, you know, whether they're in prison or whatever else for long periods of time, because it's just that isolation really got to me. And I'm you know, a lot of people don't believe me, but I'm, I'm introverted anyway, but it still got to me, you know, I still needed that connection. And, and that's what really got me through um, that and any other, you know, hardships that I'm going through. So yeah, that's hundred percent true, man. we got to keep building those relationships. And I think um, one of my buddies said it, build the bridge before you need it, right? Build the bridge before you need it, build those relationships beforehand. Um, that way, when it gets to that point, they'll be able to help you get through whatever the circumstance you're in. It's good, man. Yeah. Yeah, bro. So, man, I loved having you on, brother. And I was wanted before we get into what we normally do when we wrap this up, we do a leadership rapid fire question. Uh, leadership rapid fire questions. Um, I was hoping that maybe you can sh- plug some of your stuff. I know we got multiple books out there. You got your website. Um, would love to, you know, promote 
what you're doing because what you're doing is amazing. Um, I, I love it. I love visiting your site, reading your blog posts, um, checking out the videos that you have. So I was hoping maybe you share what's your website, how people can get a hold of you, what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely, man. I got a newsletter that goes out every Friday. It uh, website, it's just all one word. It's Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L.com. Uh, same thing for Twitter and Instagram and um, all my books are on there. But the, uh, the latest book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. That website is pukeandrallybook.com. And if they can get on there, if they want to buy it and enter that receipt, they got over 700 worth of uh, uh, book bonuses, man, that people can tap into and mm. um, help them on their journey. Yeah. yeah no, no one gets there alone. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be visiting that site. Got the book. I'm going to get into it and I'm definitely going to reach out to you and let you know because um, I know it's going to provide a lot of value to me, man. Definitely going to provide some feedback to you. Thank you for for everything you do. I can't say it enough because I think, uh, like I said, your blog site, you, you know, your videos, I mean, they're inspirational um, and it comes from a, a, a place of authenticity and I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Well, I love llamas and I love lounges, man. So- <laughs> Cool to be here, dude. <laughs> That's what's up. We'll, yeah. have to ha- we'll have to have you on again sometime. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So, all right, cool. So, you ready? We got the leadership rapid fire questions. It's a series of four questions, all right? Okay. All right. Question number one What is your favorite leadership trait? Um, my favorite leadership trait mm-hmm. is uh, empathy. Mm. Yeah. That's a powerful one too. Very important. I, I learned it a little bit later on, later than I, I wish I did, but <laughs> definitely it's a very important one. All right. Now we named off a couple quotes and I don't know if those might've been the answer to this, but what is your favorite quote? I've got so many. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quote hound <laughs> if I come across them. Uh, like even the one you said, man, was fantastic. Man. I appreciate it. hundred percent effort and doing something I love is normal. hundred percent effort and doing something I don't want to do his character. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Let me, uh, I mean, a couple that I always kind of get back to, I'll, I'll say this one, this one's from Jack Nicholas. People don't understand how many times you have to finish second in order to finish first. Mm. And what that one always meant was, is the amount of failure that we're going to go through is, is preparing us, but there's going to be so many second place finishes, man, in order to be able to finish first when it mm-hmm. really matters. I've always loved that one. I thought that one was righteous because, you know, Jack Nicholas, 18 majors, he had 19 seconds. You know, people forget about that one, man. So that's a, he put those together. That's a pretty, pretty cool stat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll add another one. They yeah. don't boo nobodies. Mm. I, that was by Reggie Jackson. The reason why I love <laughs> that one is because, look, man, they're not talking about the person that's finished in the 30th place. They're only talking mm-hmm. about the person maybe that choked because they had a chance to win. Well, that's a somebody. That means you're doing something. So if anybody is talking about you in any kind of circumstance or situation, you're doing something good, mm-hmm. even if it's negative, because um, they don't boo nobodies. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful, man. <laughs> Love that one. Love that one. Awesome, man. You so keep throwing. I can keep throwing them out all day. Man. I, love, I love quotes, man. <laughs> man. All right, man. Question number three. Um, you have some amazing books and we're going to make sure we link um, those to the show notes. But uh, is there another book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? Well, I still think Man's Search for Meaning is, mm. you know, by Viktor Frankl. I still think yeah. that was, uh, I still think it's a seminal book in terms of yeah. hardship and suffering. Um, yeah. It's the best. So- 
so powerful. He's one of my heroes for sure, man. I mean, just amazing. You know, yeah, you, you have those lists of people that you want to talk to that may not be alive anymore. You know, if you just wish, and he's definitely one of them, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such an amazing human being. Yeah, we got to find meaning in our suffering, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So the last question is the deep one of the day, right? And it's however you want to interpret this question. Um, at the Llama Lounge, we're all about life learning and leadership. So how does Dr. Rob Bell find his harmony between life learning and leadership? Um, pushing yourself every day, you know, just trying to do something you don't want to do. And then the other part is trying to do something that you want to do just a little bit better. Mm. Um, I'm all about getting after it, man. And, you know, I like, I love rest, but I like earning that rest. Yeah. That's how I do it, man. I love it, man. Yeah. That's something that I've, I've seen, you know, on your page and what you're doing. And, you know, I admire that. Um, and I try to live that too. It's like, I try to make myself a prize at the end. You got to go through it, right? You got to go through it before you get to enjoy that prize. And, um, yeah, it just, it definitely pushes me a lot further and, uh, love meeting people like you. Cause that also helps, which is like you said, iron sharpens iron. So thank well, you. I can't wait to promote that. this when it comes out, man. This would be cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's going to be awesome. And like I said, we got to have you on again, man. We could have another hour or two conversation about oh, for sure. all this stuff. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother, so much. Um, look forward to um, uh, having another conversation with you again. And um, I'm honored to be connected to you, brother. I really am. But it's on me, man. It's a privilege is mine for sure, man. Yeah, awesome. And Thanks, thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. As always, be safe, stay healthy, and the llamas are out.